You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 365. How can you start a small groups program in your church? Last week I talked about the importance of small groups and having a small groups program in your church and how it's going to help your church grow, how it's going to help your people grow. But I've also had a couple of conversations recently with pastors who didn't quite see the the need or if they saw the need, they didn't know how to get started. And in one of these cases, it was because the reason they didn't see a need for small groups was because they have so many services. They meet several times during the week, which, at least in my American mind, this is actually in another country, this pastor of a very large, successful church, so I'm not in any way putting him down, but a very large, successful church, but they meet multiple, three or four times, they have multiple services during the week. Um, I believe they meet on Sundays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and then some, so it's yeah, it's just crazy. For for the average person, I can't imagine going um, for another service during the week. But that's that's kind of the way it was done when I was living in in Brazil. One of the really large, successful churches down there that had actually grown and was impacting the whole country. They met four or five times during the week, and they're. Their idea was, this is how we keep our people out of trouble. And I I kind of understood it because many of the folks that came to that church came out of the surf culture, uh, had uh, addiction issues. And so so in their mind, it was, you know, keep them off the streets, keep them in church, and keep them out of trouble. But, um, you know, I think they're missing something so vital and so important by not... Um, having a small groups program. I just think it's it's incredibly important. And I think in the long run, um, you know, I, I'm just not sure how, how their fruit is going to last. I'm not sure, um, you know, what's going to happen there. I, I wish them all the best, but I just know what I've seen over the last 40 plus years of being involved in church and some type of ministry. Um, it's it's those connections that are made in a small group setting that really carry people through very, very difficult times. And I'm not, and again, I'm not downplaying our faith. That that's obviously important. But but God put people around us. He he put us in in a community to to depend on each other. So um, the first thing we want to ask ourselves is if we're looking to start something like this, is what kind of groups are you going to have? This is an interesting question because every church does it a little bit differently. Uh, many churches, they send out um, a synopsis or an outline of the ser- sermon from Sunday, and then that's used as the material to discuss. That's great. That's a great way to go. A, a sermon-based um, connect group is a great way to go. A sip of coffee there. Um, the others are often uh, curriculum-based where you're going through a book. Um, I've done many of those where 
you know, everybody in the, in the, in the group reads a book and then you discuss it in your meetings. And this is phenomenal because it's, it's a great way to dig in deep on a particular subject. So a group-based program is fantastic. Um, or some other type of curriculum. This is, this is good also. Um, one of the things we do in, in our men's groups at our church is we encourage them to use, just for simplicity's sake and also because they're so good, are the uh, Bible plans that are found on the YouVersion app. They're free. All you have to do is download it. Um, they're simple, and you know it provides a great way for guys to get into the to the Bible. If you look at these, um, you know there's so many different ones for men and different things that men might struggle with. And of course, you could do it for women or teens or whoever. But um, you know, there's usually several passages of scripture and then a short devotional. And what we ask our folks to do is instead of doing one every day, do it instead of doing it if it's a ten week or a ten day study. Just do one every week. Read the same thing every day. Pray about it. Meditate on it. Think about it. And then be prepared to discuss it. Other other churches do more social-based groups where they come together, they hang out, they have a meal. And this is good. This is good. I think, I think there needs to be something spiritual there, but I think the social-based groups are also very, very important. And, and to be fair, we do have some in our church that are more social-based than others because we give our... Uh, connect leaders the the freedom to develop the kind of groups they wanted to develop within reason. And then that is the last one, is allowing your leaders to choose. Um, we actually believe strongly that, that, that our leaders, when they do something that they're passionate about, it's going to be a much more successful group. So we've got some that are fitness-based. Folks will come together, they'll have a short devotional, and then they'll go walk or ride their bikes or something like that. Um, so, so, you know, find what works for you, but, um, starting off, you know, maybe you might consider the sermon based ones. We've done these where, you know, every church, every, every group discusses the message, how, you know, what, what, what did God say to you? And it's a really great way to reinforce what the pastor's saying. So that might be one to consider some of the curriculum based ones, of course, in, incorporating some type of uh, social Time where you're eating and hanging out is also really important as well. well. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. So what kind of groups are you going to have? You can have anything, but go ahead and have a plan at the beginning. And you can always shift. You can always start off saying, hey, we're going to have curriculum based, but later on we'll maybe give our leaders a little more freedom in what they want to do. But, um, you know, think about it. And, and But the main thing is to get started. Now here's the uh, the, the other question that's really important is, especially when you're starting, who can lead these small groups? And in, in, in some churches that I've been in, they actually pull the key leaders in the church, whether it's the pastors or deacons or elders, and have them leading. And that's that's good. But I really believe in pushing leadership down to the, to, to the lowest level. And so when you can raise up people within your church to lead, that's a powerful thing. I actually had a conversation um, just a couple of day, days ago with somebody who, who had been in another church and had recently come to ours, and they said that after going to the previous church, and the reason they had moved uh, away for a while um, was because of work, and, and the church they were going to, they had small groups, and um, the pastor got called to a, another location, so the pastor was leaving. And so my friends, who had only been in this church for two months, were now tasked with leading the small group. And they asked the pastor, why do you want us to do it? We just, we just got here. And he said, no, no, you guys are obviously the most competent. 
And what they found is there were people who had been in that group for years, but they weren't competent enough to lead or they didn't want to take the responsibility. And then when my friends eventually got transferred back to the Atlanta area, um, they found out that that group promptly died once they left. So, you know, leadership's a big thing, but isn't that interesting that um, after many years, nobody was qualified or competent or confident to lead a group? And I just think that's an incredible uh, tragedy when that happens because we constantly are looking to elevate leaders um, from from among the congregation. I think you're going to find your best leaders there um, if you're willing to put in the time. So what what are what are our requirements? What are your requirements? What should your requirements be for someone to lead a small group? Well, obviously, someone who loves God, a a growing faith, someone who. Um, Really, they're not perfect by, by any means, but they're growing in their faith. They don't have to have all the answers. We're all learning as we go. But someone who is, um, you know, becoming mature as a Christian. And, and this doesn't rule out newer Christians. Um, oftentimes, we've seen this as a great growth opportunity, especially when you pair a new Christian as an assistant with someone who's been around a while. Um, it's, a, it's a powerful thing to watch a new Christian begin to grow under the mentorship of an older Christian when they're in a context and now they have a little bit of responsibility. It's a powerful thing. So someone who loves God, someone whose faith is maturing, um, someone who knows how to deal with things in a healthy way, um, that's what you're looking for first. The, the second one is somebody who loves people. Um, it's going to be tough to lead a connect group if they don't like people or they don't have good interpersonal skills. Um, and this is one that's interesting because, you know, we've got connect leaders that are introverts, that are very quiet, and yet they've become very successful because they understood that they are not their personality and they refuse to hide behind their personality. And so they said, you know what, I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to lead a small group no matter how shy I am. And this, these are people that I just admire so much because they're so courageous. But Obviously, somebody who loves God, and then someone who loves people. And you know, one of the things I mentioned there was interpersonal skills. Uh, you know, we don't build the small groups for our people. We actually encourage our people to build their own small groups. In other words, recruit, go and find people. And this is this is tough because we've had many people come in and really on fire and want to lead a group, but they don't know how to build a group, and so they 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 you know posted on the website for the church and they think people are going to show up and then the first meeting no one's there and um, as coaches and leaders you know we say listen you gotta really before the group ever starts you need to have a list of 10 people that you've invited because if you invite 10 or 15 people you might have three or four show up I mean that's just reality so um, you know encourage them write people down make a list and then begin inviting and recruiting so this is, this is where the interpersonal skills come in. This is where, you know, people have to kind of push through their, their fear and their uh, shyness and be, be courageous. But somebody who loves people. And then, of course, number three, and this is, sounds, you know, pretty obvious, but someone who regularly attends your church. You wouldn't want to have a connect leader, a small group leader, if they don't, you know, come to your church. Now, people... We love it when people from um, who don't attend our church attend our small groups. That's great because it's often a gateway to get them in church. But we would never let a <clears throat> an outsider, if you will, um, lead one of our small groups because they don't have our culture, they don't have our values, and 
we don't want to take any chance on people being poisoned by by you know something that that, that might go against God's word or, or what we we stand for. So, really important that uh, you know your leaders are regularly attending church because they also are setting an example. If we've got somebody who um, you know only shows up at church once a month, but they're leading a connect group or a small group, something's wrong. Um, they should be setting the example. They should be there every Sunday unless they're on vacation or something. They should be. Um, people who are leading the charge for commitment to the church. I mean, these are leaders now. And so they should really be setting a great example for those who are, who are in their groups. Um, you know, and then I think the, the next one is, um, and this is so important, who can lead, you're talking about who can lead a small group. I think the next one is really important is the fact that um, it must be somebody who's also been a part of our group. Um, I think having someone who's been in a group and hopefully even assisted leading a group is going to make a much better leader. I would hesitate to tell somebody that you know they can be a leader if they haven't even been a part of a group or if they haven't assisted. Um, we want them to know what the flow looks like. Um, you know, and, and, and we've seen this over and over again. Too often folks in our small groups think that it's an opportunity for them to display their amazing teaching gift. Well, we, we don't structure our groups like that. We won't, um, you know, really, if they want to get it, people want to get a message or a sermon, they'll come to church and get it. So we want to create small groups where there's great discussion. And great discussion comes when a leader can ask the right questions. And so, so we want to create leaders who aren't just up there, you know, pontificating and sharing their own great revelations. There's a place for some of that, sure. But it's a place where the leaders know how to ask questions to get people talking. Because if somebody comes to your group and doesn't talk and, and, and doesn't get a chance to you know share what's going on in their world or share their thoughts, then really, what are they there for? They, they won't stay. People, people want to be heard from. So, so we really do. We believe in structuring our groups as great discussion groups. And so as to, to do that, you've got to be able to ask the right questions. And so this is one of the skills that we try and work with our leaders on. And, um, you know, planning and writing their questions out and how can we, um, you know, discuss something so that people can get the most out of the topic. And we don't ask, you know, yes and no questions. We ask open-ended questions. We want people to to really share their thoughts and, and to share what God's saying to them. And so um, so those are the reasons we, we want to ask. And then it's the follow-up questions that often take us even deeper. So I want to just do a quick recap. Um, we'll, we'll continue next week. I don't want to continue too far today because I don't want it to get this, this episode to go too long. But we talked about what kind of groups are you going to have. And, you know, some churches love to do sermon-based groups. Those are actually really good, especially if your pastor preaches in and does series. Um, if you do a series, it's great to have these sermon-based groups because they're going to get the message. The, the, the congregation, everyone who's in a small group is going to really get this message inside of them, and God can, can really make it a part of their lives. Or a curriculum-based, whether it's a book, whether it's some type of Bible study. Um, you know, we mentioned the Version Bible plans, those, those devotionals. Those are great for curriculum-based study. Um, but, you know, it should be something that's going to help people. I would say something pastoral or challenging in nature. You know, um, uh, a study on the book of Revelation isn't necessarily going to help people. We're actually 
a group I'm going to be leading in the fall is uh, on, on Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands. I'm going to be using his book, uh, myself and the guys that are helping me. We're going to be um, doing a book study on Out of the Cave, and it deals with depression and anxiety. And, I mean, let's face it, after COVID, a lot of folks are dealing with things like this. So this is going to be a book study that we're going to go through, um, you know, for, for, our, for a 12-week 12 12 semester in the fall. So, so something that can be helpful, I, you know, just studying the, um, y- y- you know, the spiritual benefits of the tabernacle. I know that's, you know, nice and cool, and studying Revelation is nice and cool, but does it really help people? So let's study things that are going to be practical and things that are going to be pastoral and things that are going to help people where they're at. Also, other type of groups, social groups. Um, these are great, and especially for entry-level folks. If you've got an opportunity to invite people who, who, who aren't a part of your church and you want them to come and just connect with people from your church and make friends, these are awesome. But I encourage you to also at least at some point in that group have some moment, whether it's praying over a meal, whether maybe you're taking prayer requests, praying at the end, whatever it is, but have a moment where folks can connect with God. Um, I think that's very, very important. And then um, the, the other was, and it's a little bit you know, further down the road, I think, it's allowing your leaders to pick the kind of group they want to lead. Obviously, there's structure. Obviously, they, they, they need approval. I mean, we're not going to do anything weird. But, um, you know, often the best ideas come from our leaders anyway, so letting them choose and decide is a great way to go. And then we talked about who can lead a small group. What are the requirements? Um, they're really basic. Uh, love God, love people, regularly attend your church and support it, and then someone who's also been a part of a small group or helped lead a small group. These are the requirements that we we put out there and we've seen incredible success over the years. Um, the small groups become such a great gateway for people to, to, to come into the church they become a way to develop leaders. Um, it's just a powerful, powerful way to see your church grow. Well, I'm going to wrap it up there. I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. New Testament Snapshots is a look at 12 of the lesser-known people in the New Testament. Um, there's material there, not a lot, but there's material there that we can at least get a little bit of a picture of what kind of people they were and how we can learn even today, 2,000 years later. What are these pictures telling us? There's a story in every picture. What are the stories that we're going to get by studying these people's lives? Men and women, 12 of them, lesser known characters in the New Testament. Click on the link. You can read. I think you can read the first chapter at least for free on Amazon. Click on buy. I know you will love it. Well, listen, friends, I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. Leave a question or comment in the comment section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my newsletter so that we can stay in touch. And I will see you next week when we continue this important series on small groups. 